We've used the word weird quite a lot in this conversation. I think <laughs> we've found a title for the episode. Laurie Jeffrey, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Hello and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Well, hello. It's episode 59, and I'm out here in the woods again. So, this intro will instantly date this episode, because I'm doing what we now call social distancing. I'm actually quite good at it. At the time of recording, we are in the early stages of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, if you're listening to this in the future, then you know better than I do about where this has ended up. Actually, hopefully you are listening to this in the future. In fact, if you are, and you're listening to this episode in, say, 2025, could you please send me a message back in time to 2020 and just let us know it all turned out all right? Anyway... As you know, I don't usually cover current things and this episode won't be an exception. So if you're looking for a nice distraction from something, then this one could be a great choice. This episode is going to feature possibly one of the nicest chaps I've ever known. He's a filmmaker, a photographer, or as he describes himself, a storyteller. He also describes himself as a weirdo, but we'll find out about that later. And I love that title, Storyteller, though. I want to be a storyteller when I grow up. Before we hit the conversation, I wanted to do this bit where I quickly give a shout out to people who support, inspire, or in some way have a part in keeping this podcast going. So the first one is a chap called Dan Benjamin. Now Dan is a host of a number of podcasts, including one called The Podcast Method. I've listened to The Podcast Method since 2014 when it started, and it got me into podcasting. Dan runs a podcast production company called Fireside, and if you want to start a podcast, The Podcast Method is a great place to start. The next one is Brit Podscene. Now, I think I've mentioned Brit Podscene before. It's a great collection of independent British podcasts. There's every kind of podcast you can think of, and some that you couldn't think of. It's called Brit Podscene, Brit Podscene. Uh, There's a website called Brit Podscene, and they're on Twitter and Instagram. Next is a couple of amazing supporters of our show who are regularly sharing our stuff on social media. There's the Comedy Geek Sketch Podcast featuring Tom, Daniel, Amy, Jamie and Marie. With special guests, it's well funny, well produced and a great listen. And speaking of great listens, another podcast in that category is the I Shake My Head Podcast from Sam and Lisa in Canada. Now they record in their car and it's just them talking. It's very funny, very Moorish, and they're great supporters of the show. Thank you, Sam and Lisa. And speaking of support, there's a chap called Tom Broughton. Now, he was the very first person to message our Facebook account back in 2017 when we first started. You see, it's not just all about new listeners or people that have connected this week, but we are extremely grateful to our regular listeners who have listened from the start as well. So if you've been listening like Tom since back in the day, then let us know on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. It's the same handle on all of them, at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. So the links and social media to all of those amazing people will be in the show notes. Incidentally, when I say in the show notes, just in case you're not sure what I mean by that, in the show notes, basically, uh, 
either if you'll listen to the podcast episode on the website sharppodcast.com then you can see the show notes on the actual podcast episode itself or if you're listening on a podcatcher app like apple Podcasts or stitcher or pocket casts then you should be able to look at the episode that you're looking at now in fact have a look take your device out as long as you're somewhere safe um, look at the episode and in the episode you can see you should be able to see there it says show notes or notes um, just scroll down a bit no up a bit that's it that's it that's where they are okay people are looking a bit weirdly at me here no change there then hello so now to this week's episode i've been waiting a long time for this and i finally managed to talk laurie jeffrey into joining the podcast we spoke in february and i've known laurie for years it's funny actually i've just realized that every guest that i've had on this podcast is a creative person of some description and laurie certainly fits that bill if you've seen a photo of a product in an advert over the years then the chances are you've seen Laurie's work. Laurie has used his creative talents for hundreds of well-known companies like Chanel, British Airways, Tom Ford and many, many more. And in our chat, we talk about all sorts of things with some really useful lessons for all of us, wherever our passion or our job takes us. So, enough waffle from me, let's get into it. Here we go. So um, it gives me tremendous pleasure to be able to say that at the other end of this microphone, I mean, you're not the other end of the microphone, but somewhere in the world at the other end of this connection, um, I've got Laurie Jeffrey. Good morning, Laurie. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I am uh, very excited, uh, very well, and super, super pumped to be uh, on the show. Trust me. I'm as pumped as you. I might also be a bit more nasal than you, I'm not sure, because I'm suffering a bit from a bit of a cold at the moment, so apologies to the listeners if I sound a little bit high. Hello. <laughs> I, may, I may have to stop and cough. Um, how are you, Laurie? It's, I'm really, really excited to have you on. Where are uh, you? Well, I'm, uh, I'm in my back bedroom. Uh, this okay. used to be Perrin's um, uh, room when she was a little child. I'm hoping it sounds okay, and I'm just outside of Manchester, uh, um, a little place near Ramsbottom. Okay. And it, it's blowing, and absolute, I hope you can't hear it, but it's, it's, we're in storm season at the moment, and it's nasty yeah. out there. If it's too noisy, let me know. I can't, I, we can't hear it, but I, I remember seeing your pictures last week of, the, uh, of the, the, some of the flooding near where you are. It does look, uh, look traumatic. Now... There is an important question I ask every single person that joins my podcast okay. to start off with. Um, have you got socks on? Yep. What kind of socks have you got on? Uh, they're homemade socks. My wife made them. And she, she's oh, a, wow. Yeah, totally. She's, she's hugely talented. And not only am I wearing her socks, I've got a blanket over my knees because it's chilly in here that she made. Yeah. And I'm surrounded by her crocheted blankets uh, that I've hung off of lighting stands to get rid of the echoes <laughs> in the back bedroom. Oh, fantastic. So uh, I need to know more about these socks and what colour are they? Um, they are sort of, they've got grey bits and it's about a million colours. I mean, she's, she doesn't muck about. She's... Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah. And, and she can turn these out in an hour or two. And uh, yeah, so there's lots of colours. Well, have you got any socks on? 
interestingly, today I don't have socks on. I normally do because I know I make a big deal about it. it's the it's the opening question. Um, okay. I'm I am an odd sock guy. I I purposely wear odd socks, um, and the reason I wear odd socks is because um, it gives other people a tremendous amount of pleasure because they get to say to me, "Why have you got odd socks on?" And when I can't give them a good answer, they get all um, they get all passionate about it. <laughs> And I like to tell me there's something wrong with me because I wear odd socks. And uh, it's a sign of non-conformity. But um, who says socks should match? Well, certainly not me. I like breaking the rules. I love breaking rules. <laughs> I really, really don't do authority at all. I'm okay. not it. And breaking well, rules is... Well, you know, if you think about it, if somebody says, you know, don't stick your hand in the fire... <laughs> a great rule, isn't it? It's a really p- good piece of advice. But yeah. Somebody said to me one time, um, I was with my camera and I was sh- shooting something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, you can stand here and take pictures and film things. Yeah. But you can't stand over that line. Okay. So I said, why? And they didn't really have a, an answer. They just, it was a thing. It was a thing that they said, you, you can't stand over that line. So I stood over the line and took a picture. Yeah. And I stood back over the line and took another picture. And they're pretty much the same. And I said, I said to the, I said to the guy, well, "What's the difference?" And he didn't know. He just said, "Health and safety." Oh dear! But what sort of? Yeah, but, yeah. Mm. thanks for looking after me. But um, <laughs> the, there was no. Reason. I'm no less healthy than I was when I stood the other me, side of the line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, um, and and in some of the stuff that we do, the starting point is you kind of got to know what the rules are, haven't you, before you break them? Someone Don't finally said that once. A, a guy came to work for me one time and said, um, uh, "Can you?" can you teach me the tricks of the trade? And I said, I'll teach you the trade first, but not the tricks. Wow. I like that. I like that. I understand why people might want to seek a shortcut to something really good. I get that you would be motivated to want to do something really well, really quickly. I understand that. What I find frustrating is that people tend to feed that by suggesting the idea that there are shortcuts and you know, we, we in our episodes, we don't ever advocate the idea that you can learn something by listening to one of our episodes and then become an expert. We introduce ideas about things that then you really need to go and, you know, put some work into, um, put a bit of effort into it if it's going to be worthwhile. You know, I think this, this idea of hacks and here are 10 productivity things you can do and all of a sudden your world will be better. Um, I find that frustrating. I do too. One of the things that... Um uh it's so exciting about what I'm doing right now as I sit here is speaking into a microphone, which is something I have never done before. I've put thousands of people in front of this microphone. In fact, this is the same microphone that you used. Would, that might have been the first voiceover you did. So that, well, okay, so let's tell that story. So we met when you, we used to work for um, an organization yep. uh, that sold furniture yep. and uh, you were making a film and uh, I think it was a training film, wasn't it? Yeah, we had, we got to a point where um, I thought, I, c- I can shoot this until the cows come home and I'm not going to be able to tell the story properly. We, we're going to need a script and we're going to need a voiceover. And I think I said to you, you need to do the, the script and we need to hire a voiceover. And I, I'm not sure who was in charge of the budget. Um, it might have been you. It might have been somebody else. But came to, we've got no money. There is no money for a voiceover. <laughs> and I said something like, actually, Steve, I think you've got a great voice. Why don't you do it? 
And in, in this house, we call you the 110% guy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry about this. If this is going to freak you out a little bit, not meant to, but we, we, we actually do. And the reason we call you the 110% guy is because you put 110% into, I think, pretty much every single thing that you do. You might want to disagree with that, but this is how we see it. So I stuck you in a little, we, we made a room out of mattresses and pillows and I don't know what. Yeah. In the staff room. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you did the voiceover and it worked. And uh, the, I think the next movie we made, we went into a radio studio, I think. We did, yes, in Scotland. Okay, and we, yes. we <laughs> put you in front of a proper microphone in a proper studio with an audio engineer, and we recorded another voiceover with you. And I remember having, sitting in the car with you. We were, we were going somewhere to a location. We were shooting something else. And you were telling me about the other things that you do. Um, I'm thinking, this, guy, this he's like bionic. You know, he's, he's like, he put you put so much effort into anything you think is worthwhile, and I thought, wow, you know, I need to do more of that. And uh, <laughs> I, really, yeah, t- totally. And that wasn't rehearsed, and I've, I've only just remembered it. But we did call you the one hundred and ten percent guy. Well, that's very kind of you. Um, I, I'm a bit concerned about your maths <laughs> because. <laughs> But I do have quite strongly have the view that 100% is literally the maximum. <laughs> you can't have more than 100% of anything, Laurie. <laughs> I, well, actually, you know what? You, my brother-in-law, we're going to go completely off the script here, and you feel free yeah, yeah. To, to chuck this out. Um, we went to go and see Vicky's brother. Um, he lives in the next village, uh, Chorley. Okay. And um, he said, would you like a glass of whiskey? And I went, yeah, why not? And um, he said, uh, here it is. And this this guy's got a PhD in something uh, that I've never heard of. Uh, I said, well, this is whiskey that's 100 and something percent. 100 plus, wasn't 110. So it was more than 100%. Okay. So I said, well, like you, you can't have more than that. <laughs> and he said, well, you can. And he explained it to me in you know, math, which I don't understand. Okay. And um, would you, so you, know, you, should, you, you should have, yeah, apparently, uh, right. you should have some, some water with this. And like an idiot said, no, no, I'll have it straight. And yeah. I can't remember much else after that. But you, sort of, <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to cut this stuff down a little bit for it to be, you know, doable. Oh, excellent. So you've, uh, you've proved the 110% theory with scotch. And that, uh, that, that works for me. Yes, I'll um, prove anything with a bottle of scotch. Okay, so here's a challenge. Two sentences. How would you describe what you do? I am a professional storyteller, and I use oh. my understanding of uh, the language of visual communication and my understanding of light and the gear I use um, to get other people's stories into other people's heads. Okay. To get other people's stories into other... So just... Tell us a bit more about that. Other people's stories into other people's heads. What does that mean? Okay. So on a professional level, I'm hired. Um, I, I won't mention any, any names, but um, mm-hmm. they're all really big businesses. And I'm the guy you never see. And I quite like that. But you will all have seen pictures and images that I've produced for other people. So a client will commission you to tell the story either by 
cinematographer or photography of their brand or idea or yeah exactly exactly that um a lot of people think of photographers as um wedding photographers and doing cats and dogs in baskets and portraits and that sort of thing and that's fine but that's not what i do at all um okay it's, it's business to business stuff well that's that sounds like a useful thing for us to expand on because the 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 actual technicality of what you do um, is certainly interesting to me. It will definitely be interesting to a select um, proportion of our audience. But all right, you lot, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> thinking more broadly in terms of um, the the techniques and things that you mm. adopt to be able to do things um, to a high standard, uh, or to be able to do them quicker, or the things that other people can kind of take away from this conversation okay. um, that I think would be useful to be applied to to all sorts of different roles really um you sent me a list of stuff okay. to talk about which is which is fantastic but you just thinking about you've put a line in here about your schedule um or for our yep. american audience schedule um and um was it the other way around why can't they talk properly like what we do okay because <laughs> they can't do the maths okay Oh, you see, we can't say they, Laurie, because they are the audience. So, oh, right. <laughs> we, we the in fact they they're the they're the biggest audience for this podcast. Um, uh, the third biggest audience is Japan. Wow, which does strike me as interesting. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. America, UK, and Japan. So, in terms of your schedule, schedule, whichever way you prefer, you obviously have stuff you have to do, mm. and you have stuff that has to get done and get in a in a mm-hmm. in a in a certain order to a high standard within a deadline yep. within a period of time um, and you've put a line here that says respect my schedule not a builder honesty is the best policy first come first serve what does that yep. mean okay what i mean by that is let's say i get a call or an email or something and it's for a booking next thursday for one day yep i put that into my my thing my my, my schedule and as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing nothing other than that on that day. Okay. If I then get a call from Steven Spielberg saying, can I do the next six weeks starting tomorrow or the next six months starting tomorrow, exclusively yep. working for him and nobody else? Yep. Sounds crazy. I'll say no, because I'm booked on Thursday for somebody else and I can't let them down. Okay. The reason I do that is because when somebody books me, I take that really personally and I think, wow, somebody actually wants me to do something for them. Yeah. So that you can carve that into concrete if you like. Uh, that, that really means something to me. I hope Steven Spielberg isn't listening to this, because you are. I am available. <laughs> sorry, I, just, um, I disagree with you there. I hope Steven Spielberg is listening to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think that's – and it's interesting, isn't it, because the, the we all have values in, in, in what we do. Well, many of us have values in what we do. And um, some of those values, they vary from person to person because – as a population, we're bloody human beings and we don't do everything the same. Life would be so much easier, wouldn't it, if everyone just did everything the same and it'd be really boring. Um, so I think, in, in, to me, it feels like in there you've got a value that says that I've committed some time to somebody who has an expectation of me and that expectation is is key and important and actually more important than you just going after the next shiny big thing. Yeah, I'm not interested in a shiny big thing. Never have been. And um, 
so if I turn the tables on um, me hiring somebody or being hired by somebody else, when I hire people, I would like to be treated with the same kind of um, respect that I give to my clients. And sometimes that happens, but most of the time it's like the van broke down. (laughs) We've been trying to get some work done on the cottage for about three years and yeah. it's an old cottage. It's 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 nearly three hundred years old. And getting anybody to, right. to come here and do anything for us is really difficult. And I just yeah. wonder that you know I, I'm the same as everybody else. I you know uh, I go to bed at night. I wake up in the morning. I've got stuff to do. There's things going on in my life. And yet it's so hard to get hold of somebody with the amount of commitment that I have with what I do. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not bigging myself up here at all. But I just, I just wonder at um, why, why that is. And honestly, I don't know. It's not about having a contract with somebody. It's just about getting somebody to do something for you. And uh, I just find it odd that I find it so hard to get good people to come and fix the plumbing. Feel free to cut that out because it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think it's I think it's really it's really cool actually because um, when we talk about what we do as a day job or what we do as a hobby or a profession or whatever it is, if we're going to do something to a high standard, um, how do you measure what the standard is unless you've got some values to measure that against? You know, for me, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it to a really high standard, and I absolutely will go further than most to make sure that is delivered to a high standard. And people from the outside say, you know, why have you spent 12 hours editing a 30-second piece of audio? Um, but actually, if that, if that goes out and once that's out in the world, you've got no control over it, and someone somewhere can yep. can um, identify how that represents me and the quality of what I do, I need it to be the best it can be. If I'm hired by a company to do something, if I hire somebody to help me with that, and I'm, I am talking about you here, to do a voiceover, for example, for me, what that does is it just makes me look good because I send them the, the video project with yeah. a fantastic voiceover as opposed to, I don't know, me. It, it just makes everything better. Using good tools, good resources, talent, um, and passion and experience. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I had a. I've had a couple of people want to work alongside me or with me. I don't know why. Uh, one of them was a a motorbike courier back in the day okay. when we shot film, and um, when it was, you know, he would take the film to the. The E6 lab. I wonder how many people know what E6 is. Anyway, um, he would do that, and he would then come back, and then we'd go back to pick up the piece of film. Then we'd come back with it, and we'd look at it. And he had a, you know, he was a back and forth guy, and he just figured that working in the studio was a cushy number because it was warm and there was lights right. and the kettle was always on. So he said, "Could it be an assistant photographer?" I said, "Yeah, if you want, you know, let's let's try." So um, that lasted about a day and a half. <laughs> uh, because he said, God, you make this look so easy. You know, this, you know, you just kind of stand around and do wow. stuff. And so, well, yeah, there's a bit more to it than that. It's a bit like, you yeah. know, turning turn the camera from automatic to manual. Uh, yeah. And he said, no, I, I much prefer being on a bike and getting out there and just 
you know, because actually what you do is so technical and so I just don't understand it. I don't even yeah. want to get started. And yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think, I think the answer to your question about when you said earlier about this thing about you've got a, um, your schedule and you wouldn't give that up for someone else and you asked the question, why do you have that approach? I think you have that approach because actually committing to something is the first step towards doing something really good. And we talked earlier about this challenge of, you know, shortcuts and hacks and do things quickly and so on. And uh, there might be a place for some things if you want to do them to a a low standard or, or an acceptable standard. But if you want to do something really good, really high quality, then that takes some commitment. Um, and that can be a commitment of time. It could be a commitment to a time for a person. You know, we invest in gear and software and stuff to do what we do. And other people will listen to it or watch it and don't understand why. But um, you've you've put a line here uh, around that if something leaves your desk, if it's not right, that won't be because of anything to do with you. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it doesn't go out the door. Um, yeah, there's um, there's there's something that uh, I'm I'm really passionate about. Um, somebody comes up with with something they want me to film or something they want me to photograph. I don't let it leave until I'm completely happy with it. Because yeah. if I'm completely happy with it, they're going to be over the moon with it. And I love that. I love giving people things that they just, really? That's great. Didn't, I didn't think it was going to be that good. Sometimes that makes life difficult because the next time they hire you, <laughs> they, they, they want high expectations. Oh, <laughs> where are we going with yeah, yeah, a bit of yeah, a, yeah. But that's fine, you know, because um, the more challenges that I have, bring it on. I, I love a challenge. I love pushing the benchmark further and further and higher and higher. It keeps me sharp, okay? I, I like cooking. All of my knives downstairs in the kitchen are sharp. I sharpen them yeah. myself. Yeah. Having yeah. a really good tool allows you to do a good job if you haven't got a good tool you can still do a good job but it's a bit harder there's two kinds of tools aren't there there is the there's the physical tool you use and then the other tool is your skill mm -hmm. the, the parallel for me in anything that any of us do is the skill at, at which we apply to deliver that job is more mm -hmm. likely to do that to a high standard or quicker if we do it to uh, if, we, if that skill is honed to be the best it can be and some of those skills in your in your profession that skill could be the the remarkable skill of cinematography equally it could be the skill of managing your calendar to make sure mm -hmm. that then you can deliver on the thing you're committing to because that's a it's not a very exciting skill but it is a skill um because actually that then frees you up to do the things that you want to be able to do to a high standard because you haven't got people ringing you up saying you should be in birmingham and you're yeah. in southampton yeah exactly I, and <clears throat> There's a couple of skills there. Um, the I'm not great at managing my calendar. I'm pretty terrible at it, actually. But Vicky, my wife, is fantastic. Okay. And I'm terrible at doing the books and the invoicing and that stuff. Right. But what I'm what I am good at is what I focus on being good at. And Vicky's yeah. good at watch. So together, me and Vicky make yeah. one good yeah. photographer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if you look at it as a business, that that works. If it was just about taking pictures, 
I wouldn't need Vicky to do that, but to run a business, yeah. uh, I've got a fantastic thing to lean on, and that, that's, uh, that's Vicky. That's fantastic. Laurie, can I ask you to give me 30 seconds? Yeah. I'm um, going to take a break for a second, and then we're going to sure. get into, I want to get into some of these, uh, some of these stories, because they're really cool. So, listeners, uh, now Steve's not around us anymore, we can really get on with something much more interesting. Steve in the field, come on, who doesn't love Steve in the field? That other bloke in the studio, I, I reckon he's just busking it, really, where Steve in the field is much more like you and me. He gets out there. He gets stuff done, you know? He kind of, he connects with tractors. I better shut up, really. I'm going to put some ambient music on. Oh, that's better. <laughs> i tell you what, it's, this is... <laughs> This is the commitment to my craft, right? I've drunk two pints of water this morning because wow. I feel really dehydrated because of the um, the cold. Um, I'm also in a room where, so where I record is also in a in a, uh, a bedroom, right? And I have to shut the window and the blind yeah. because of okay. audio quality, yeah. and the door, and it's absolutely baking because <laughs> the boys yeah. have got the heating on because they're okay. cold. So I'm sweating, I'm dehydrated, but the show will go on. <laughs> Um, <coughs> one second. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the guy interviewing me is expiring. <laughs> I think he's gone. Steve O'Neill. Steve O'Neill will expire in, uh, in 30 seconds. <laughs> um, okay. Do your um, ears get hot? Yeah. Yeah, very hot. So All I've right. got, uh, in front of the mic, I have a, um, I have a pair of, uh, Sennheiser, what are they? Hey. HD 280 Pros, which right. are, um, are are completely closed. I've actually got um, Sennheiser uh, cans on as well, and they're, they're not mine. They're my daughter's, and um, I've nicked them off of her because the, the ones I use are terrible. They're actually in the um, uh, the toolbox at the moment with, uh, alongside a saw, a hammer, and some screwdrivers. That's how much <laughs> I think of my headphones in the bin. You see, that's the difference between you and me, Laurie. Mine, uh, mine have a blanket, right, and they get wrapped up. And uh, <laughs> I do with my headphones and my microphones the same as you do with your cameras. Um, okay. We were talking just then about um, what Vicky does yeah. uh, in terms of supporting you with with calendars and bookings and invoicing. What doesn't she do? Well, and I think it's really interesting because the for me, what that highlights is that Vicky being great at managing your calendar makes you a better photographer totally and getting people to see that and i think it's really interesting if that skill you've referred to there is is a skill that is in someone else that's supporting you you can probably see it clearer than you know if if you were just thinking philosophically about if i manage my calendar it makes me a better photographer i've rambled there a bit no um no i i, I hear you but it, it's it goes back to um for me, resources. The, the the equipment I use is fantastic. Mm -hmm. The people that I work with are fantastic. And because we can work together, we've got the opportunity to do something fantastic. All, all yeah. I have to do then is just put some effort in. And I love that. You know, I love yeah. putting a bit of effort in. So, so for someone who relies on your creativity skills, Therefore, you have to be present 
in the room when it's time to make the film or take the brief or speak to the client or whatever. Yeah. Um, for me to be, you know, waking up in different places, different towns, different cities, at different times to get to other places, how the hell do you balance those two things up? Truly, I don't know. Um, I've woken up in hotel rooms, um, and it, never mind which hotel am I in, it's which country am I in? <laughs> and Is it Barcelona? Is it Dusseldorf? Is it Glasgow? Where, yeah. where on earth am I? And that, so that kind of the idea of, let's say you've got to get somewhere at a certain time and you've got a meeting or you've got a shoot, presumably building in the journey, in some cases the physical journey or the, right. or the time journey you're going to go on to get to that point, you must have to work quite hard to work backwards to say, right, okay, well, to be there at this point in time, I have to do dirt, 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 dirt before that to be in that right place at that right time. Think about what you said about your commitment before. Yeah, I, I, I do do that. In in preparing for this uh, chat that we're having now, uh, we had a, a lovely friend over a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she came over the day before yesterday, actually, because I said, I'm going to be in front of a microphone, and I don't know what to do. I need some something. And uh, she said, well, what's that all about? So we listened to a couple of your podcasts. I said, oh, okay, yeah, fine, easy. This is what you do, Laurie. You're organised, you get your stuff together, you get all your batteries yeah. charged. You get, and she had me mapped out way way better than okay. I've ever had me mapped out before. Apparently, according to our friend, apparently what I do is I charge my batteries, I Google the location where I'm going to, I make sure my cards are clean, uh, camera cards. Um, I get everything ready way before I need to use it. I I've, and I've always done it. I've always um, been organised. I've always been ready because if somebody hires me, I need to be at absolute peak performance yeah. for that person. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I'm all I'm doing is letting myself down if I don't deliver the goods. Sometimes I've been on location. I've seen other people who do a similar kind of job to me. They take the, the gear out of the bag and spend ten minutes. Yeah. Going through menus and things. Yeah. Yeah. I take my camera out of the bag and it's good to go. There's something there's something that is I'm starting to pick up the threads. This is why I I, I love these Here we go. conversations now. I start to pick up the threads. So there is a there is some common ground between you talked about um you talked about your uh, motorcycle dispatcher who said that you make things look easy. You talk about committing time and preparing. And actually I think those two things come together um, and at the point at which you're under scrutiny whether it's by a client whether it's by a customer for those of us who don't do stuff as exciting and glamorous as you for a living um, you know it might just be our boss at work but at whatever point we are under scrutiny it's what we've done before yeah. that affects what happens in that situation it isn't what you do in the moment that's that that's clearly key for you and i think that's an important point for for listeners to be able to take out but actually what can i do beforehand that means at the point at which someone is paying attention to what i'm doing it looks like i've just rocked up and pressed record mm. the honest answer to that is um again i i don't know but okay back in the um back in the day where um we put tapes into video cameras Mm -hmm. um, I was working very closely with a production company, and in particular, a particular person. I would shoot 
the thing where it happened to be. And that person took the video camera away and digitized the footage into the computer and then edit it. And then they would give me back my video camera and we would shoot something else. Okay. But on this occasion, um, I'd given my video camera to this person with some tapes in it and they'd taken it away. And the next time we would see each other was in a, a foreign country. So I went to my airport without my camera. And this colleague of mine went to their airport with my camera. Okay. Long story short, my, my flight was cancelled. And I called the guy who had my camera. And we'd worked together for years and years and years. And I said, uh, I'm not going to be there. You're going to have to do the filming. Right. And there was this terrified silence on the end of the phone. <laughs> and the guy said, well, what do I do? And, you know, those terrible films where the pilot of the plane and the navigator of the plane have both had the same meal and they've got food poisoning. Okay, And yeah, they have to get yeah. the stewardess in to land the plane yeah. and somebody talks them down. So that, that kind of <laughs> so actually fine. The on button is there. Then there's a thing. Uh, and again, long story short, the guy came back from the shoot and it was a really high-powered thing. We were, we were supposed to be interviewing some, somebody very senior and you only get one, one shot at this. And the guy said, doing your job was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, and I never, ever want to do it again. <laughs> now, we'd worked together side by side for years. So he'd right. seen me do it thousands of yeah. times. But basically, the, I think his point was, if he got it wrong at that point, you have nothing afterwards. Yeah. It, there yeah. is nothing, yeah. and it's done. You're, 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 yeah. You are done. But see, I think, you, I mean, you, I would challenge you because you said you don't know you, you don't know what you do, but I think you do know what you do because actually you've you've already talked about the fact that you sharpen your knives metaphorically, in your case, literally. And literally, but, yes. Um, yeah, but in terms of the tools that do the jobs, whether it's the cameras, um, whether it's the car, whether it's whatever it is that needs to do the job, uh, um, I know nothing about the military, but I have this perception that they can strip their weapons down yeah. and clean them and put them back together again. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and there is a meticulous, you know, a completely focused level of attention paid to making sure that is in the best possible equipment condition it can be at the point at which it matters you can discipline yourself to do something to a high standard regularly enough so so when you're under scrutiny when it when it becomes the moment for you to do what you need to do um the muscle memory is there already you don't you don't I have think, to think I think it. you're right I think the muscle memory thing is a good thing and doing what I do I'm I'm always under scrutiny Every, every yeah. single, I had a client, I had a client who looked at every single frame for a 30 second commercial that I made. Wow. Frame by frame. On this particular gig, there were 25 frames per second. And mm -hmm. he looked at every, they looked at every single one. Crikey. At a time. And um, if you ever want to be put under a microscope, that was a, that was a new one for me. <laughs> and it was just, Okay, fine. So let's let's then think if all of my clients do that, I must make every single frame of mine count. And yeah. I I really try very hard to do that. Every single thing, you know, it's it's like it's not a legal document. You'd have to sort of, you know, cross the Ts and dot the Is and that sort of thing, but it does make a difference. And that's and that that guy doing the frame by frame piece, you're 
you know, 30 years of experience, whatever it is at that point in time, actually, it's that 30 years of experience that enabled him to watch it frame by frame. And me not kill him. And me not kill him, yeah. yeah your experience of not killing people is also quite, quite a good skill. <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was interesting because it, it sort of made me sort of um, reevaluate, uh, I, I guess. And, okay, so maybe some people do uh, do that. And maybe some yeah, people do yeah. really, really drill into the images and the things that I create. And if they do do that, they better find something good because if they yeah. haven't, I've not done it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? So it was, it, was, it was actually, at first, it was a terrible experience. But the more I reflect on it, cool, <laughs> actually, you know? There are a couple of things here you've put which I'm really keen to find out right. about. So you talked about the Ray Porter impossibility. What's that? Oh, I'm so pleased you asked that question. Quite a long story. Are we okay with it? Well, I've got to go to bed at about nine o'clock, so that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm cooking dinner later. <laughs> um, okay, so we're a very close family. Um, my wife, I met when I was 19 at college, and we've pretty much been together ever since. We have one child, and she is the sun and the moon to us. The reason I try so hard uh, to be a good photographer, a good filmmaker, a good storyteller is so I can bring in some beans to feed these guys and look after them and make sure they're okay. Yeah. We are huge fans of books and reading, and Perrin is a good writer. She likes to write things. A few years ago, she got really sick, really Quite, quite ill. And um, she'd, she'd done fantastically well. Uh, we've home educated her um, f- you know, forever. And she managed to get a place at a sixth form college and had to leave because uh, she got ill. Okay. We, we travel as a family together a lot. And there's always an audio book on in the car. And a very familiar voice is... Uh, a guy called Ray Porter. He is uh, an American actor. He's um, one of the world's busiest guys. And uh, it's like listening to an old friend. You get into the car, you put a, uh, an audio book on, it starts this is Audible, that funny little yeah, yeah. thing that they do at the front of Audible stories. One of the things that um, cheers Perrin up um, when she's down and she's uh, uh, having um, health problems is, is writing. And she got to a point with her, with her health where she just wasn't writing anything at all. So I was in here uh, in my little edit suite. And for some reason, I thought, I'm going to contact Ray Porter out of the blue on Facebook. Hello, yeah. you don't know me. Um, I'd like to hire you to do some voiceover work uh, for yeah. my daughter. She has some health yeah. problems. Just let me know what you think. And then went downstairs and, and cooked supper. And then when I came back up, there was a, a reply from this guy. Bear in mind, this, this, it's like Hollywood, okay? Yeah, I'm yeah. in the back bedroom. And he said something like, yeah, you know, um, providing I'm really busy, but providing it's not you know, a huge tome, I'm sure we can take a look at it. <laughs> That's what went downstairs okay. shaking. So I've asked <laughs> the universe for something completely impossible, and it came back and said, yeah, okay, let's have a go. All right. So I told him, I said, we, we can't tell Perrin about this. 
And then I had the job of getting Perrin to email me the first chapter of the book that she was working on. And um, she hadn't done very much with it for, for months because of you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And basically she said no. <laughs> I'll read it to you if you want, Dad, but no, you can't have it. And I said, well, for my birthday, could you at least send me the text so I've got something, maybe I could print it into a book or something, with the sole intention of sending it to, to Ray Porter. Yeah. And she's done it as a piece of fan fiction just to kind of you know, help herself, really. She used to write stories for her friends and for no other reason. But she's a, she's a really good writer. Anyway, sent the file to Ray Porter. Okay. And then it just went really quiet for months. Then we were, I was, I was shooting something in London and I managed to wangle it that I could take Vicky and Perrin with me. And on the morning that we were due to go, I got an email from Ray and a wee transfer link from Ray. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 <laughs> and he'd read my daughter's story. He'd nailed it. Um, the characterization, the, you know, everything. And I'd also written a little silly... I'll, I'll send you the file. Um, I'd written a little bit of silly back and forth between me and the voiceover before the story okay. started. Yeah, he yeah. did that. He read the story, um, and at the end, it was, it, and it took him half an hour. The, the, the read is a 30-minute thing. Right. So with somebody so busy, to take that amount of time to, to do this for my daughter, I'll, I'll never, ever, ever forget it. Yeah. It's actually a really, really big deal. Yeah, yeah. But at the end, the even bigger deal was he said, thank you for letting me read your words. One. When I was little, Dad always started his stories with this. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago in a land far, far away, there lived a dragon... Wait, 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 just a second. This can't be right. Ugh. Let me just call this guy. Ugh, where's his number? Plus four, four, why do they have so many numbers? Got it, all right. <clears throat> I don't know what time it is over there. Come on, come on, pick up. Oh. Hey there. Yeah, uh, who is this? Yeah, it's me. Do you know what time of the morning it is? No, I don't know what or care what time of the night it is. Now, you're the fellow that sent me the script, right? Yes. You say she wrote this using only her iPhone? She did. Really? <laughs> yes. You couldn't get her a word processor? Look, I'm, I can't have it. Good night. No, do not hang up on me. He, oh. Hang on a minute. What? He hung up on me. You hung up on me? All the cheap sons of... Ugh. All right, let's get this done. What? What? Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Again. Actually, this isn't the story of the others by Dennis C. E. Taylor, adapted by C. Gollings. This is, in fact, a different story altogether. This is way better. This 
is an exclusive reading of Dragons by P. Jeffrey. Pause it, pause it, pause it, pause it, pause it. I need time to process. What the? Yeah, that's where it stopped. Hey, it's Ray. Uh, thank you for such a great story. Christ. You're a good writer. <laughs> Don't ever stop. Keep writing. No. You know what you're doing, for sure. It was a privilege to read your words. Bye. This is Audible. I'm showing my arm to the microphone at the moment because the hairs on it are standing up. I have goosebumps. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Same here. I know. I know. And um, we had a few back and forth with him uh, since, uh, but he is super, super, super busy. And yeah. uh, I, I mentioned that the very first thing I said in this kind of cold call thing that I've never done before is that I want to hire you to do this. And there's absolutely no way this guy is going to take anything from me for doing it. I've tried. Really? Uh, yeah. Really? I said, there's, there's, there's no chance. Uh, maybe oh, wow. if he comes to the UK, I'll hunt him down and buy him a beer. <laughs> but th that's about... And and it's... I think the point I'm... This is not... It is about Perrin and, and her health and how yeah. these little things can help. And and your podcast and us maybe doing one uh, is fun. But asking... Trying to do something impossible, like yeah. you know, sh shouting out to a, a really famous, very, very, very busy guy, yeah, and then getting back, and then afterwards on Twitter, and I'm, I'm now doing a bit more on Twitter. Um, there's an author, Peter Kleins, who okay. Ray has done a lot of work with. Audible recently put out a uh, a book, and they did a, a video interview with the two guys, and I just right. sent a tweet like saying you. I can't even remember what I said. Something like, you two are really inspirational. Thanks very much. And then Peter tweeted back, said, inspirational, really? What have I inspired? And before I could get back to it, Ray Walter said, oh, it's about this guy. His daughter is a damn good author. Sorry, that's difficult for me. Um, when a complete stranger uh, does something like that, yeah, it just you just go wow, yeah, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. That there's no way of um, there's no way of there's nothing reciprocal you can do uh, no. to that uh, uh, about that. Uh, it's it's incredible, and uh, and actually, um, it wasn't last night. It was the the night before last. Perrin was in here with me, and I'm playing around with this microphone, and I'm playing around with the, the software, and we just did a, a pretend podcast. And it was funny, and it, and it ended up in a big fight with me and Perrin fighting each other. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. And um, we're, we're thinking about doing um, a podcast, and we're going to call it like, The Weekend Wine, as opposed to not like the, the wine drink, the, the, the moan at the end of the yeah, weekend. I like it. Maybe. I don't know. And, and, and going back on that, I'm sorry, I'm rambling terribly. Um, I looked at how much work there was in, in getting a, a podcast together. And there's tons to do. There's a bit. Yeah. and <laughs> But but that comes back to your point about, you know, whether it's getting Ray to do something you didn't think he could do or whether it's producing something of the quality that you produce. Sometimes things are worth the effort, aren't they? And uh, And if it pays off, then it's worth putting some work in. 
I think my thing is that if you if you're going to do anything, do the best you can. Yeah. And um, particularly as a as a freelancer, if, if I don't do the best I can, the only person I'm letting down is me. Yeah. And then right after that, uh, it's letting down my family. So it's really important for me to be a sharp tool. Um, yeah. And really good at what I do, and I do take it really seriously. If somebody if somebody hires me, you're going to get 110. percent I hundred percent. Sorry. No, no, hundred. We'll let 110 pass in this in this episode. We'll have 110 percent can make a guest appearance. All right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So so you you do what you do to a really high standard, and that means to me you push yourself to be the best you can be. There are lots of variables in in what you do. So, you know, the lighting might not be right when you get to the shoot. Right. Um, the people who are going to be in the film are not doing what you need them to do. You've been there, haven't you? <laughs> well, I've been there, and, and I've been the person that doesn't do the thing they're told to do. Um, <laughs> but without doubt, you are the most accommodating, polite, diplomatic person I, I probably have ever met. Really? And uh, Absolutely. And when you film and things aren't as they should be, what, how do you stop yourself getting frustrated? What, what techniques do you employ to, to be able to be philosophical about stuff and just gently bring things around again and just keep revisiting it instead of losing your pieces? Okay. I, I do get frustrated. Um, very. Uh, to the point where um, sometimes I wake up at night and thinking, why? What? Why didn't that go as well as it could have. Why did that person hire me to go into that situation where nobody else wanted me to be there? <laughs> I, I can empty an office just by showing up with a camera and putting a tripod down. They just run away. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I've done a couple of um, company reports. This is still not filmmaking, but what I do is I shoot the guy that makes the tea, cleans the floor, wipes the tables, yeah, um, and everything in between up to the guy who's the CEO. And so in the morning, I'd be, you know, outside emptying the bins with the guys and shooting pictures. And in the afternoon, the last thing I, I get to do is the CEO. Yeah. And I've got, to, I've got to talk to them in some sort of way, in some sort of language that they will all get. But what, 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 do, you, what do you think you do, though? Because I, I understand that, that idea of being able to recognise that a person might find it difficult um, and it might be alien and... But if you have that frustration inside because it's not going and you're up against a deadline and so mm. on, how, what, what, what stops you from losing your call? Let me think for a second. Um, I don't stop doing what I do with mm -hmm. my gear, whatever it happens to be, until I know that I've got something I can work with afterwards. Okay. I've worked with directors um, where I'm you know, the, the camera guy. And we've been shooting, shooting, shooting. And I know it's in the can. I know yeah. that I've got it 10 takes ago. Yeah. So if it's me working on my own, once it's in the can, once I've done what I need to do, mm -hmm. I stop and I do something mm -hmm. else. Sometimes working with, um, with others, if they're unsure, they do it over and over and over and over just to, yeah. I don't know why, but. You know, once once I know that it's done, I stop and I move on. There's a, a really funny occasion. Uh, there's a regular 
uh, a regular job that I, I I'm hired for, and I and I couldn't make it on one occasion. Okay, and uh, they hired a guy from Paris. Right, and he, he he came over to the UK with two assistants, bags and bags and bags of equipment, and uh, he had to look at the the shot list requirement and the time that was allocated for it. <laughs> he threw his arms up, and I can't do a French accent, but this is impossible. It cannot be done. It cannot be done. It's impossible. He <laughs> turned around and got on a flight back to Paris. And um, I got a text from somebody saying, but Laurie does this every day. <laughs> and I, I, I just don't get it, you know? <laughs> I, I, it is difficult. If you ever look at if you if, you, if you're given a, a task list, which if on the face of it looks impossible, mm. and you try, um, and you know when it's done, it's done. Yeah, you're good to go. You know. I think where you've you've said in your uh, in your preparation stuff, you've said that you're not a team player. I think you are a team player. I think that's a skill that you have that you you don't you don't realise you have. But what you do is you 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 get to the point where actually you feel like you are part of the team. Whether that's the CEO, whether it's the guy at the bins, actually what you to me seem to be doing is to be able to build rapport, build engagement with that person, actually make them feel like you are part of the team. But in your mind, it's because you know you need to get to a certain place. And that's where that, that, that diplomacy and that kind of consideration comes from. Um, because if you came in as the big I am and were full of self-importance, people would give you short shrift. I think some people think I hide behind the camera. Right. And I guess maybe sometimes I do. But if I do do that, I need to disappear. I'm, I'm not the thing. My subject is the thing. And that's what's important. And I um, openly admit to picking, uh, putting people on a pedestal because that's where they belong and uh, they are important. And I'm just a recorder. But once I've done recording, yeah, I, I then become a, a cook or a chef or something. And I've got those ingredients from that person. I make the best thing I possibly can from the shoot that I've been on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I suppose... Yeah, I suppose that's what I do. And um, I'm mindful of your time, uh, and I, I want to make really sure hot. that um, <laughs> there's a couple of there's a couple of other things you've highlighted which have just got me intrigued. So, Ooh. the White Wolf, right? What's the, tell us about the White Wolf? Well, it was a surprise to me. Um, I was um, I was with a couple of clients who uh, aren't from the UK, uh, Geneva and Paris. I think they came from. Mm-hmm. And we were in uh, a very secure uh, set of locations. So you have to go through like a security barrier to get into these places. And um, these people from outside of uh, the UK, Paris and um, and Geneva, they, they started muttering at each other. And then we went somewhere else and the same thing happened over and over again. And this is part of what I do. When I go to these places, I I make friends with the people I'm working with because I put them in front of my camera and I make them look good and we talk about, you know, home stuff and personal stuff, which is really important. But the next time I go there, it's like seeing an old friend. And these two, these two colleagues of mine from, uh, from outside of the UK, they said, we have a word for you in our, in our country, and it's the white wolf. Right. And to this day, I don't actually know what it means, but, it's like, <laughs> but they just say, you know 
everybody. <laughs> and um, I guess given time, uh, I'd, I'd like to. But they have a thing. They call it the White Wolf, and I just think it's cool. And so does my daughter. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Um, Sky TV episode? Okay. Um, we don't have a TV. Uh, we don't read newspapers. Uh, we do listen to radio. Okay. And before we got rid of the TV, we had, um, I bought uh, Sky everything. Okay. And we spent six months flicking through channels of stuff that we weren't interested in. And we didn't want our daughter, Perrin, to sort of grow up sitting in front of a TV watching rubbish. So we just got okay. rid of it. And we also got rid of the TV license as well. But that's a, that's a, that's a different story. So a couple of weeks after um, getting rid of Sky, I had a, a courtesy call from, from Sky saying, hey, you've left us. Um, we're sure you're missing us. Would you like to come back? Right. I said, well, even if I did, I couldn't. Why is that? I said, we don't have a telly. We've got rid of the TV. Okay. You've got rid of, you don't have a TV? No, we don't have a TV. You're weird. <laughs> Sorry? What? Is this one of those conversations that have been recorded for training purposes? You just called me weird. And actually, we, we actually really like being weird. We like being slightly odd. It's not a thing we do actively. We don't try to be different. Mm -hmm. But by the sound of things, I think we probably are. I think it's why you and I get on so well, Laurie. That's maybe. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a tracks. I like it. That's good. And so, and so, they were they were they weren't happy with your explanation that you'd got rid of your TV. Did they pester you, or did they give up in the end? We had a we had a, a Sky were actually pretty good. Once once we said no, they said fine, fair enough. Um, but um, we had really um, nasty letters from uh, the TV license people. You know, big red things. Okay, red ink and everything. Um, you are breaking the law. You will be fined two thousand pounds. We will inspect your house to see if you're watching the TV without us neighbor. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't think so actually. Yeah. It's interesting because I think that, um, we, we people, I'm a, I was a person last time I looked, um, we surround ourselves with things that we feel like they add value. Um, so whether it's watching TV, whether it's paying attention to the news, you know, being aware of what's going on in the world is seen to be an important characteristic for some people to have they value you know just 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 having that knowledge of current affairs or whatever it is there's a couple of there's a couple of ways of looking at it aren't there though because um let, let's talk just, just briefly talk about the, the broadcast side of things when you're on a non-interactive um platform you're getting somebody else's opinion and i've worked with lots of journalists i've done it myself and you're giving a uh, a focused idea of what somebody else wants you to think. Yeah. And there are other ways of getting the lowdown on what's going around you these days. Mm -hmm. With social media, um, with um, things like Twitter, again, it's a signal-to-noise signal ratio thing you have to look at. You have to take a, you know, care of that. But for the first time ever um, in human history... There are creators, observers, and people out there gathering news for you mm. 
and putting it out there and not editing it and not filtering it, mm. unlike the broadcast companies that that do that for a living. Yeah. So when um, something horrible happens, like there's a there's a tsunami or there's some kind of attack or something something or something good happens let's let's talk about the good things something great has happened mm -hmm. people tweet about it people put it on their facebook thing they they put it on their instagram thing and that's something we've never had before mm. so i'm my opinion is that when in the future when somebody looks back and writes the history of this period we're living in now they'll have way more data than we've ever had yeah before yeah, yeah, that is such an empowering thing. Mm. We've never had that before in in human history. No, no, no. I mean, when, when you and me went to school when we were kids, we had some textbooks and some stuff that other people had written. But it's it's a very small proportion of humans that had written that stuff. Yeah. So it's very very focused. It's somebody else's idea. Yeah, it's a story. It's subjective, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. It's kind of what I do for a living. It's my it, when you see my stuff, it's, it's you're getting my my take on it. Yeah. But as a society, now we've got the if you could be bothered to sit down and you know look at Twitter, look at yeah. Facebook, and other th news feeds from all over the world. It's great. Way yeah. way better than sitting in front of the TV. No, definitely. I think if you if I think back to you know in the in the sort of um, in the late seventies when you had, you didn't have Channel Four. In fact, no. we couldn't get BBC Two on our television. You had to, you had to. This is dating me now. My, my, half of my audience will drift away now. You had to press the button to get the channel on the telly. Actually. I can hear people cutting their wrists. <laughs> and uh, so we got, but you, we had BBC and ITV. Yeah. And um, you know that everything that came in through those um, through those TV stations mm -hmm. was. You had nothing to contradict it, nothing to to make you think. Oh well, maybe that's just a version of events. Maybe that's just that's just one explanation of, um, you know. I think I think about the miners' strike in the eighties, for example. Absolutely. You know, and I have a perspective of the miners' strike, which I can now look back on and say, actually, I've got a different view to the view that I had then. But by only I only recognise that view is different because I now have the capability to go. To, to go and explore other people's perspectives and, and actually find out what the opposing view is, is to the one that I'm being presented with. Well, everyone, everybody's got a story. And yeah, the, I think I wrote to you and I said, I love being different till the Sky TV episode. It wasn't about sacking off Sky TV at all. It's just that there is so much um, information out there now. It can be a bit confusing, yeah. but at least it's there. It wasn't before. Yeah, you just didn't yeah. hear about the, these things. Yeah, I like that. Interesting stuff. That feels like a good place to wind us to a close. Okay. What you may not be aware of is whilst we've been talking, I've been writing stuff down. Yeah, you do that. I do that. And, um, and it's quite interesting when you, when you listen to what we've covered because we we've covered so much stuff. And I think there's a couple of things in this conversation we've had which thinking about the sorts of things that, that we could lift out that would be sort of, mm. you know, not just interesting to Laurie and Steve, but um, uh, universally might be useful to people. But in your particular case, you've talked about 
charging your batteries. You talked about making sure your gear works, thinking about what's happening before the event, um, sharpening your tools, literally, in the case of your kitchen knives, um, before you, 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 you make whatever it is that you're making. Because when it matters, that's a point at which uh, people will have a view on what you've done. And actually, more importantly, you will know how you feel about what you've done. I love the idea of, of, of talking about trying the impossible because actually, who knows? I think we limit our own beliefs sometimes. We think that we can't do something or we think there's something that's going to stop us from doing something, but actually just try it. Who knows? Mistakes don't leave your desk. And if you can do anything, then you might as well do the best you can. Otherwise, I, I, actually, what is the point of doing something if you can't, uh, if you can't do the best you can? Um, keeping cool, for me, what comes across in your explanation, although... Uh, you may or may not agree with me, is that I think the skill you have in keeping cool in a situation is because you put yourself in the other person's shoes and you see things from their perspective and that's how you get the the best out of them. And the one thing I said to you before we started recording, which I've stolen from you, um, which I use because you inspired me to do it, is whenever people come on this podcast, I try really hard to see, I wonder how this is from the other person's perspective. Are they comfortable? You know, do they know what, have I explained what this link is going to look like when I connect to them so they can see it? I can see how I think they're going to see it. Um, do they know what I mean by a microphone, which you will, um, but but many people don't. But, but you know, doing it in a way that doesn't treat people like idiots because we've all got different levels of knowledge. Um, so seeing things from other people's perspective, I think, is, uh, is a, str- a strong one. One of my favorite things is get out of the way of yourself. Actually, whatever it is you're making, whatever you're working on, be clear in your mind about what are the outcomes. What's the, in your case, what's the story I'm telling, or you know whether it's someone working on a spreadsheet or um, something even more glamorous. <laughs> Actually, what's the point of doing this? What's the outcome I want to get to, and how do I deliver that in a way where I can get out of my own way and just let the outcome be the important thing? You know, you you talk about it from the perspective of a of a, a, a filmmaker, someone that, that that tells stories for a living. Many of our listeners will listen and think, yeah, but actually, there's loads of stuff that I can, I can take from Laurie that I can apply to, to what I do. Um, yeah, if nothing else, just be weird. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's very, very different. When, when, when I'm, I'm, I'm picked up for, a, for a, an assignment, the, the photographer or filmmaker that I am is, very, is a very, very different thing from yeah. when I'm out there with my camera doing my own thing with a camera. Okay. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a totally different guy. Um, that's a completely different hat. I, I'm, I'm. Well, what am I doing? I'm working out. I'm, I'm, I'm training. I'm, I'm trying to make myself a, a better photographer, or I'm pushing the things I was taught as hard as yeah. I can to see yeah, yeah. when they when they break. And yeah. uh, I can't, I can't do that at work. You know, I, yeah. I can't do that when somebody's hiring me because if I if I break it, I'm not doing them justice. But when I'm when yeah. I'm working just for me, that's much much harder than when I'm working for somebody else. That, that, sound, that might sound weird um, because I know that I should be working very 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 hard for my clients, and I do. But if I'm working for me, that is way way tougher. Mm. I can see that. I can see that. And it doesn't sound weird, but I like the word weird. We've used the word weird quite a lot in this conversation. I think <laughs> we've found a title for the episode. Laurie Jeffrey, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. 
And I always make sure that where we do have uh, guests on and interviews and so on, that people take the opportunity to um, shamelessly plug what they do. So where can people find out about Laurie Jeffrey? Where can they find your stuff, your social media? Tell us everything. I don't know. <laughs> do you want me to tell you? <laughs> yeah. Steve, tell us where they can find Hang on a second. Let me just find Laurie Shots. <laughs> You've got a website, haven't you? So, you, so the website is lauriejeffrey.com, and that's yep. um, just to clarify L A U R I E J E F E R Y, lauriejeffrey.com. Obviously, I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, you are on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, you're just called uh, laurie.jeffrey. So that's L-A-U-R-I-E dot J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. At your website, can people go to your website and see some of what you do from um, a, a cinematography perspective and some of the work you do with the examples on there? They can. And do you see what I did there? I got a professional voiceover to get... <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm not as... Hang on a minute, I'll go and find one. <laughs> uh, some of what you... Some of the work you've done yep. is what those of us that lived in the 80s used to call glamour photography. Yep. The human form and so on features quite a lot in your work, which is, I think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing. Clearly need to make people aware that that means some of the imagery is not for young eyes. No, I, that's, that's, that's very true. Um, it's a fine art um, nude photography, some of it. Uh, not all of it, but um, a, a fair portion of it. Uh, it's one of the most challenging things um, any uh, visual creator can do. Uh, it's extremely delicate, very, very yeah. difficult to do well. Uh, I don't know if I've done it well. I've tried extremely hard to do it. But that's the difference between the, the work that I do commercially and the work that I do to test myself because um, they're very, very different. Well, listen, Laurie, it's been fantastic talking to you. Um, I really, really appreciate your time. It's some of what we said might even make it to the final cut. <laughs> well, <laughs> we you know. just felt like we mucked about it for two hours, which is great. So what else is new? That's what I would prefer, but uh, it's been really, really good. Um, anything else you want to say before we finish? Yeah. Um, if uh, if you've been listening to this, thank you. It's very strange for me to be communicating with you like this. I usually do it through pictures and not my voice. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. And Steve, thank you very much uh, for putting me through this and putting your <laughs> listeners through this. Can you imagine what kind of animal I'm going to be next time I pick up the camera, which is Tuesday? <laughs> oh, dear. Get <laughs> out of the way. I haven't broken anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a machine, you know? Don't all run away. I'm sure it gets better after this. They won't run away. It's, uh, it's been fantastic. Thanks ever so much for your time, Laurie. Speak to you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. All the links, resources, and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful, and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do, and I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful, and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. You can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast one word, two Ps, or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review, which would be fab. And finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe, or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off, 
I hope you're able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do, which will help you get better. And remember, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye. Steve's gone now, and I do miss him. He's probably gone to get Steve in the field. And truly, I think Steve in the field should be doing this rather than this other guy. He's clearly better. Steve in the field is an idiot <laughs> who knows nothing. <laughs> I'm a fan He's an of embarrassment. Steve in the field. <laughs> He's an embarrassment to the cause.